Welcome to the Thrifty Titans podcast, your ultimate destination for razor sharp brand building and media insights. We bring you the wisdom of the most badass founders, media mavericks, indie hackers and content creators in the whole wide world and help you grow your business and your audience without losing your mind or breaking the bank. Join the ranks of the Thrifty Titans and together Let's build something extraordinary. Hello, fellow hustlers. Today, we've got someone truly special in the house, and that's Shashank Randev. He's the founder VC and co-founder of 100X VC. Shashank's here to share some nuggets of wisdom about the AI funding scene and how it's been shaping up so far. So no crystal balls, just real-world insights. This episode is your ticket to the AI funding adventure that's unfolding in India and around the world. So stay tuned. Hey, welcome to the show, Shashank. Hey, thanks for having me, Saikas. I'm looking forward to our interaction. So Shashank, what are some of the features and some of the factors that have made 2023 such a crucial year for AI startup funding in India and around the globe? You know, hey, thanks for inviting me and, you know, giving me the opportunity to, you know, share my views and thoughts. just to begin uh, at the outset, you know, uh, we are an early stage fund and very sector agnostic and have been investing in very early stage companies since 2019. Mm-hmm. And and a bulk of our companies have, you know, been in fintech, SaaS, um, health tech, uh, deep tech, and, and we've seen them evolve and adopt AI uh, into their existing businesses. So AI has been a long period for a very long time. But I think 2023, with the advent of gen, generation generative AI, uh, mm-hmm. Gen AI, uh, I think has caused you know momentum uh, with you know uh, generative AI coming into the forefront, particularly with you know, the advent of Chat GPT. And I think for founders who've had some experience in uh, experimenting with AI and AI models over the last couple of years, this year is a fantastic year to build and evolve those models uh, to find better use cases to fill up those gaps which still were not being filled out uh, by so many other players over the last few years. And and on the other side of the spectrum, we've got investors who are very, very aggressive and very, very keen because they've spent more than a decade uh, you know, looking at AI-based solutions. And they've seen the evolution of uh, AI products and they're, they're, they're able to witness the second phase or maybe even third phase of AI products in 2023. So they're, they're even more excited of uh, in terms of mapping uh, the the roadmap or the road ahead for the next five, six years, right? And hence, it's, it's a great time for AI companies, particularly the ones who've been experimenting with it for the last couple of years. Whenever there's a, there's a wave of of technology adoption and and tech innovation there are always people looking to cash in on that trend right and uh, there are so many founders who might give in to the allure of building something in ai purely because they perceive it to be a buzzword among vcs do you think that there uh, has been a concerted effort by the vc ecosystem to invest in ai startups over the years or or do you think this is going to be like a fad 
just as we have seen so many fads over the over uh, over the years and decades within the VC ecosystem. No, I don't think so. This is a fad, and I think investors, as I mentioned, right, uh, many of these investors have seen various AI models and AI products evolve, and right now they are able to see through the tech uh, when a new founder is pitching uh, a progressive, you know, exponential solution in generative AI. Uh, which is adding value in, in, you know, so to speak, the 2023 ecosystem. Uh, the the investors themselves are able to see the the tech, uh, and when they're doing their due diligence, they're able to see where it's fitting into large enterprises, uh, whether it's you know adding a, you know values in the community based platforms, um, or or you know even for that matter, you know in terms of getting analytics from a D two C brand, and and I think data generation. You know, AI is a, essentially a function of data generation and data, right? And we've had enough right. data to play with, and the output has matured over the last uh, couple of years, and particularly in 2023. So, data generation and the ability to kind of build on top of that, that output is the ultimate pinnacle for a product, a startup, a startup founder who's building that product when they're pitching to an investor. And if that output is evaluated and if it sees through investors are able to kind of see through the genuinity the authentic code behind it and i think that's why it's not a fad because as i said it's been in making for many years and i think what generative ai is now doing is moving to the next level and there have there are multiple use cases which have already evolved over the last decade uh the great businesses being built out of india uh in SaaS, in fintech and where now you're seeing how they were using, I would, for a lack of a better word, you know, primitive uh, AI, and how that the new, the new, uh, the new solutions which are being offered by the present founders is building on top of that and solving for those gaps. So I think it's not a fad; it's very much AI. I think the very advent of Chat GPT has just changed the way we utilize uh, or publish content, right? Uh, or even, for instance, you know, I have not used the paid version, but I, I hear that you know you can do so so much with that. Uh, yeah. You know, building PPTs, building writing essays. I mean, the it's uh, you know, uh, just today I believe Amazon announced uh, an investment into one firm yeah. which is a competitor of you know, uh, Chat GPT, and I think this is here to stay. And 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 I think Chat GPT, what they achieved in uh, just one month after they launched, the number of users who've come on board was just insane, right? So the utility has kicked in, and I think. The precursor for any 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 sort of technology is the utility factor, and that's where most of the startups founders fail. Uh, but right. I think AI use cases have been there, and the utility is being determined. And the stronger the utility, I think uh, the investors will continue to invest, and the founders will continue to get funded. What do you think led to this watershed moment for AI and AI funding? Was it ChatGPT? Was it something else? Was it just coincidence that Sam Altman just decided to launch something and then Google sort of wanted to one-up him? Because there are some of these very definitive moments in human history where an industry sort of leapfrogs, right? Uh, that that was, let's say, demonetization for digital payments in India, right? And digital payments sort of skyrocketed. What do you think that was? Was that, you know, the launch of OpenAI, OpenAI's first model? Was it something else? What can you trace this sort of entire AI revolution back to? 
Sure. No, so I'll, I'll bring in some broader elements from my vantage point. Um, this is right. just my view. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I think there are a lot of things at play over here from a macro perspective. A, let's look at, uh, and I'll bring in US and I'll bring in India. And let's start from 2010, right? Uh, 2010, data was expensive. I, you know, uh, you know, one of the investors came out with a report where India is the only country where over the years, the uh, per GB cost has reduced. It's come down to, I think, six rupees. It started with 200 odd rupees, right? That is a stat uh, and a fact. And in 2010, we had uh, various businesses being built out globally in Silicon Valley as, uh, and in India from the likes of Mu Sigma, which was doing revolutionary work to, uh, you know, fractal analytics and so many other companies, right? And with this startup evolution happening both in Silicon Valley and India, what was happening was there was availability to cheap data and hence the ability to kind of, you know, you know, continue, continue the ability to build and build and build that shifted gears during COVID SaaS businesses suddenly saw acceleration, right? The adoption was very, very high. Um, and, and the ability to kind of take data from these platforms, uh, via the utility of, you know, AI models, uh, was becoming extremely relevant because you had stickiness of the product coming in. What changed was for the first time, and I'm now coming into the India angle, is that in 2021, post-COVID, India ha has already crossed 1.4 billion. The data penetration, thanks to the geos of the world and the telecom revolution which took place, just 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 you know exploded tier one, tier two, tier three, uh, reverse migration, startup building out advent of capital uh, deep technology companies coming out of india uh, and moving from r d to commercialization which is a very very important thing all of this was happening simultaneously right uh, and then there is open ai uh, which is also a function of how the silicon valley ecosystem evolved um, and as you might appreciate right there are a lot of these technologies which are already out there but always sitting on the backbone and this is just one individual one entity which needs to take the step forward without the fear of right. failing, right? And I think that's what happened with OpenAI. Sam took that step, uh, worked on it for three years, uh, three or four years, I believe. You know, everybody was like, there's no monetization model. What are you guys building? And then yeah. the inflection point came. That plus the 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 advent of developing economies like India, where the data penetration was too high, uh, young engineers could kind of build out models and everything, uh, wherever they were struggling in terms of, you know, and not having the right APIs and then suddenly getting that access. I think that just exploded, right? So it was a virality effect, as we call it. The timing was perfect. Yeah. I think two, three well-intentioned folks with the ability or wanting to disrupt the ecosystem came together and just things happened. And that's what has happened. It's a function of a lot of, lot of, a lot of siloed events coming together in 2023. And therefore, we are seeing a lot of impact. Uh, we're seeing a lot of impact in the way uh, marketing is done. We're seeing a lot of impact in how content is being written. There's a lot of impact in terms of, you know, how, uh, you know, science generally is going to evolve. Uh, we've written an article on generative AI and what we felt were the four, eight futuristic trends, right? One, we felt, you know, data generation uh, is going to be at the core of it, right? And, you know, generative AI has now been able to generate large amounts of synthetic data, right? Which can be used to train machine learning models. Now, this was a huge gap earlier, right? Uh, and yeah. and this can particularly 
uh, you know be useful in cases where it is difficult to obtain real world data now this is this is very very important right half the innovation was uh, peaked or stopped because there was lack of data but now with this new generative ai uh, modules if you're able to kind of uh find useful use cases in the absence of real world data right and kind of extrapolate that's a huge 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 you know step into the future uh, text generation image generation music and video generation that's i mean uh, you just name it and the quality output so let's talk about input and output right the output is sizable and and quality right it's it's, it's getting better so yeah. uh, you know personalization research and development we'll see a lot of um uh, aspect of generative ai in drug discovery and material design right so i think uh, and then obviously the core of it is evolutionary alg- algorithm right a lot of folks a lot of coders stuck uh, and you know they they faced a uh, a stagnancy per se or, or a plateau they reached a plateau because they weren't able to kind of build the algorithms to a certain level and i think with generative ai you're able to kind of move a step up uh, a notch up with that and i think that has just evolved so with open ai coming into i think that has just accelerated those dormant points right all were waiting for that one venting system and that's what's happened uh and that's why over the next few years uh we will feel we will see a lot of innovation coming in uh in uh, across um across uh sectors so we've ourselves invested in many companies healthcare uh health tech companies enabling uh getting ai uh, into the picture we've invested in robotics company obviously um and and there's a huge huge potential of how how these systems are becoming more concise uh we've gone ahead and invested in uh, uh you know deep tech companies which are now commercializing and there's you know strong usage of ai um and so on and so forth right so uh the next few years will be interesting and i think this is just the opening of how things will evolve over the next couple of months and years this ai boom has also led to like a true explosion of uh saas and micro saas startups across sectors right there's this very popular website uh, called there's there's an ai for that.com and um, the most recent numbers are some 8000 plus Uh, you know ai startups that that do some 5000 plus jobs right and these are just like micro saas companies that do very sort of menial work like resume writing or uh, or creating some youtube video description right uh, the the bigger implications of ai uh, across sectors are manifold really but given the sheer number of startups that are targeting ai subsectors and and sometimes implementing ai led solutions to existing businesses do you think over time there's going to be somewhat of a consolidation of winners and uh, in 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 these sectors given the the sheer number of ai led startups that have come up over the past year year and a half their ability to scale right yeah no i think i think as i said right you know ai now in my opinion is becoming horizontal there's a healthcare company which can adopt ai uh there's right. a saas company there's a fintech company there's you know there's a deep tech company there's a d2c company which can utilize it right uh, it really depends right. on what you're building out uh, you mentioned automation of content uh, uh you you mentioned uh, uh, you know even you know 
adoption of it in healthcare and determining faster results. We've invested in a company called Access, which is utilizing, you know, AI for blood testing. I think what will happen is there is enough and more opportunity to build out and start companies. And it will boil down to whether the founder has found the right problem, which is scalable, which has a large target market, so to speak, right? And those are the kind of businesses which will get fund, right? Which will get funded. If there is a large enough market for whatever you're building, there will be enough and more opportunities for you to get funded. And and then it will boil down to your ability to kind of, uh, you know, uh, scale um, and continue to kind of, you know, get more clients. I'll give you an example. So, you know, this is a very broad uh, statement I made. But uh, so we invested in a company called, um, uh, it's in, it's, what it's doing is that, you know, with the advent of, you know, tech, uh, they are they're doing you know it's a web web three development framework enabling web two developers uh, to build multiple aspects through single unified a- API. It's a company called Shift, and uh, uh, and there the function is that you know a are they going to continue to build out? Are they con- are, are there more developers who are going to use those APIs? And if they're continually able to do that and provide the access to those APIs for these developers, it's a it's a it's a use case which will continuously evolve, right? Now, if somebody, supposedly somebody else steps in and then it's going to be a function of this platform has, you know, uh, X amount of uh, APIs to to give to uh, developers while they're building. And the other one has, you know, let's say X divided by Y. So the second one will get less attention, right? Uh, but does that mean that right. they, they should not start? No, uh, they should because the universe is still large, right? And, and there are multiple businesses which will get funded. I mean, again, I come back to the point where imagination is less right now in terms of the utility of AI. It's coming into home automation. It's coming into every sector, right? So uh, the the use cases will be immense. The value within, let's say, an enterprise, you know, there's so many gaps within enterprises, right? And we're seeing regularly day in and day out businesses which are filling in one gap and we're like, what is this, man? This doesn't make any sense, right? How can this be yeah. a value prop? And they said, no, this is the value prop in logistics for large enterprises because of lag of, uh, uh, you know, processing of invoice. And if you're just able to solve for that piece, um, I ha- I can see a value uh, business worth, you know, 100 billion to 200 billion, uh, just working with, you know, some of these large enterprises. Uh, and that's happening because of AI, right? Just because one solution to a problem which has been part of the process, but been overlooked, right? So I don't believe that, you know, um, if you've built an AI model uh, which is working, then there is going to be utility right now. The question is whether you're in you're a, you're a, you're a phase one or evolution one kind of a model, or you are you're able to deliver the new age requirements. Let's say you know through generative AI and ability to kind of you know build out new algorithms. I think that will be the differentiator. But I don't think it should stop anybody from starting. Uh, an AI business. If you have the capability and if you've got the right tech team, uh, then there are enough and more, so to speak, quote unquote, automation required. Or just in India, right? Just there's so many processes. Uh, so, so I, I, I am all up for the utility factor and the adoption for it. And I encourage founders. We, in fact, are very, very focused uh, for the last few months looking at deep tech AI, generative AI startups, and have funded them. And we've invested in enterprise tech startups where there's a very, very strong usage of, you know, AI. Uh, and, and as I gave you the use case, right, they're solving a particular problem, which in itself is a very large opportunity from a from a business value perspective, right? So so the need is there. And I don't think 
a founder should step back. I think some businesses will fail because there are too many businesses starting. Maybe or actually no, not because there are too many businesses starting in the same, but because they've not been able to identify a large business value, uh, which can generate right. you know long term revenues. But if if they figure that out, then I I don't see any challenge. Lovely, you sort of led me onto my next question, uh, Shashank, which is how do you recommend? first generation founders really gauge the market opportunity for ai's application in their sector given that there are no benchmarks often there is no precedence for what this could mean for the sector so how do you recommend founders go about gauging the market opportunity see you know i think uh, it will come from a mindset of just understanding technology to begin with right uh, the founders which we back come from both sides of the spectrum some of some of them are experienced professionals who've worked in the system for uh, 10 years 15 years and then understand a particular gap and then are trying to build around it and then there are young kids fresh out of iits bits and you know even tier 1 and tier 2 engineering colleges who are trying to build out tech but might not be a, in in a position to understand the business uh, context of it right uh, how big that opportunity can be both perspectives are very important why because the 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 generation between 18 to 28 uh, are going to be the largest consumers for uh, any sort of offering or, con- or products uh, going forward particularly in india right 85% of our population falls in that bracket right so so when when these disruptors are building uh, they are genuinely solving for a problem like for for a lack of better example i'll say i uh, my parents used to stand in a bank line and that was normal for them and i refuse to do that because i feel that's archaic and you know uh, who does that right? Uh, right and somebody i haven't built it but somebody built it and i'm benefiting from it like i understand the utility of upi i understand the utility of internet banking and wire transferring now this is me at 40 42 now what are the gaps uh, which a 20 year old kid or 22 old year old kid is seeing in this existing so so to speak uh, progressive Uh, ecosystem is going to be very important right and then building a business use case out of that i think uh, is what we're going to see so my input to first time founders is that when you're when you're starting out i think most important would be identifying the problem how big is the problem right um, and how big in the terms like you know are there are there thousand people suffering from their problem as a gap or or is it a big gap like you know not standing in a bank and disrupting the fintech industry completely with the advent of upi making those transfers not going and depositing checks you know all of those things right uh, and that kind of foresight and mindset would have to be taken under consideration when you're starting out as a founder building out an ai uh, is that is this is this really going to be used in 5 years down the line 7 years down the line right and and can it be incremental or or exponential in terms of how i continue to build on top of it top of it in terms of adding more modules and then kind of providing maybe an api or figuring it out product integration with some other products uh, that mindset is the most important i believe for for founders starting out right now uh, and attempting to build an ai got it got it except for the market opportunity and sort of predicting the market opportunity what are the other most common differences between ai startups that get funded and those that don't 
what are the other salient differences you I, see? i think the core difference is the the ability to build a solid solid technology and their models working right which is a function right. of data right a lot of folks come and pitch in and say that we're building the next gen uh, ai but you know we you know the product is not ready right so uh, i think the core difference stands out for people who for, for founders who've built something um mm. in terms of a, you know reaching closer to a product market fit so if this, if there's something tangible right for instance again i'll come back to a portfolio company example uh we invested in adsys which is great founders based out of jaipur in the space of blood testing right uh using ai and and there we wanted to see the input and output right uh, are they able to deliver what they've promised with the with the with the function of ai right and and we saw that and they they were able to do that so we weren't looking essentially for sales we were looking for the product working right uh, we invested in a uh, many years ago i think not not many but you know 3 3 years ago we invested in a company called vitra.ai this is during covid uh, and these guys were converting any video into a- any video in english for example to any language and at that time they were doing 52 languages right in that dialect without human intervention right that's a huge right. use case um they got eventually funded by inflexer.vc which is a deep tech fund and there when we were evaluating that we understood the market opportunity but more importantly before that we wanted to see if the product works right um mm. and and product if the if the quality out if the output is not of high quality it will fail right uh, they were brilliantly able to do an output uh in let's say gujarati i remember he sent us a sample of uh the james bond movie and uh, and the the trailer was in gujarati uh and he wanted you know and and my oh, partner wow. sanjay gave him a use case ki you know my mother his mother uh only watches movies in gujarati so let's see how good this is going to be right uh so he converted that video uh, that trailer into gujarati and then my my partner uh, sanjay showed it to his mother and the mother was like wow this is i, I can see this there's a lot of action but i can see Uh, i can understand the trailer right it's purely in gujarati that was that was output number 1 which was seamlessly automated uh, no human intervention uh, and they got the dialect correct right so over and above the market opportunity i think just the very fact that if ai if somebody's building an ai the product needs to work right the first input output has to deliver uh, and i think that uh, is something which we focus on uh, because we are seed investors i we uh the market will eventually evolve subject to what the product will evolve into and products don't uh remain consistent they'll continuously evolve you might just end up shutting one product and building something else and then that whole total addressable opportunity changes right so so as a seed fund we look at you know the first product which you're looking at and for which we've determined the tam the product needs to be working right and is there a strong output uh from that standpoint the other thing that you touched upon shashank was monetization models could you make apis available for integrations with other uh, sort of saas platforms what are the slightly newer monetization models you expect to see from ai startups especially ai saas startups going forward do you see api pricing as being like the new normal for ai startups that are integrating with enterprise players uh, or do you think there are going to be even newer slightly more experimental monetization models coming up for these startups as well for now definitely the age for apis but going forward also we'll see a bunch of models evolve i think right now as i said and as you asked uh, the question in terms of 
you know, there's so many AI companies coming and how will they evolve. And the very fact is that API uh, modeling is working. Uh, we have many companies which are building and their utilities being determined based on. And then there are marketplaces which are evolving, which is hosting these APIs and then kind of figuring out the buyers, the, the, the end users who can pay for it. And then there's whole subscription models evolving around it. Uh, from an enterprise perspective, there's an annual uh, billing cycle uh, which can take into effect. So I think the monetization, and again, I can afford to say this because I'm a seed investor right now, not a you know, series A, series B. But I think product utility is much more important for us right now uh, because business model will evolve, right? And and we will see various kind of business models evolving if the technology being offered uh, has a strong use case, right? Uh, as right. I said, in, in terms of Litter.ai, the use case was very strong. A, it was COVID. The dubbing studios was shut. A lot of folks had, for the first time, come on to OTT platforms. So OTT companies were facing, uh, they, did, they didn't have problem of subscribers. They had a problem of how do I manage these subscribers, right? So my right. backend layer, how do I manage so much information, right? And then, and then, and, and to please everybody, because they'd gotten these customers, they wanted the, the content to be regional vernacular for many of these first time users, right? And, and then how do you do that in COVID, right? So if you don't have a tool, you, you how will you how will you kind of you know cater to the customer base? So Vitra.ai has found a multiple uh, multiple use cases in the media tech sector, and the pricing evolved, the business model evolved, right? Should we start with you know a monthly pricing? Should I start move to an annual pricing? Should should it be per conversion? Uh, so on and so forth. So you'll see multiple uh, you know. Uh, business model which will evolve. For instance, there's another example which I can give, uh, you know, Meta Shop, which is a portfolio company of, of ours, you know, uh, developing 3D uh, images, uh, which is now being utilized by, you know, a lot of e-commerce players uh, for product enhancement, right? So that, you know, uh, you're able to see and get a real feel of the product, right? Um, and their pricing differs, right? Uh, sometimes it can be, you know, on, on, on particular images, sometimes can be on an annual basis. So you'll see you'll see the model monetization models evolve as long as the again I come back to the same point utility of the out product or the solution is there. There's there's another uh, emerging trend, Shashank, slightly off topic, which is AI startup side hustles. Right, you're seeing so many brilliant young developers coming up with microsas solutions uh, listing them on uh, on some of these lifetime deal marketplaces uh, some purely on the back of their personal brand promoting these products on linkedin or, or twitter or x as it is currently known and uh, and and making a good buck on the site right there are so many of these spin offs of lenza which is this uh, sort of AI avatar maker uh, and and so many other sort of microsas products that do make sense that are solving for a real use case might, might not be fundable let's say right because they they uh, cater to a very specific target audience right given that uh, AI and tools like github autopilot and and many of these other platforms have given talented developers the platform to build their own microsas solutions and and test business models and and achieve financial freedom in in very short periods of time how do you think the talent landscape for developers is going to change with this ai revolution i think you just you know in the answer lies in your question the very fact that we are seeing a surge in these developers, you know, building something on the side, doing a side hustle, right? Throwing out 
solutions out there in the market for folks to use, right? And then possibly getting feedback mm-hmm. and seeing the utility being determined early on or failing uh, and, and realize, okay, this is not working, right? It's just giving an, you know, a, a medium for expression for these developers who were largely passive and, and necessarily did not have the ability to kind of uh, build out in a problem statement they felt uh, had to be addressed. The very fact that these developers are now getting the opportunity to kind of build out, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, something and throwing it out in the ecosystem, uh, and then seeing the ability to kind of, you know, seeing it utilized, I think is a great, great sign for the ecosystem. Um, and also, kind of, you know, so you also need to understand there are these large companies, enterprises. Then there are these, you know, growth stage companies. Then there are these mid-sized growth stage companies, and then there are early stage companies, right? And this kind of lot developer community is possibly what will uh, add, you know, uh, fuel to the fire because they will be able to provide necessary solution. And herein comes the different business models for a startup, for a mid-stage company, for a growth stage, for an enterprise, right? Uh, and just with so many things coming for organizations to utilize, uh, we are pushing the competitors and everybody else to kind of up up their game, right? So hence the the utility of AI solutions will continue to increase, right? So I think this is a great sign. Uh, And this also eventually will lead to, you know, some of these folks coming out and becoming great founders and building maybe something large enough, right? Uh, But in my mind, this is a very, very strong and positive sign happening. And also, I think giving, uh, and I come back to the India point, giving tier two, tier three developers, there's a lot of talent over there, right? Uh, right. the confidence to kind of come out and and, and 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 step out, right? And that's why we've created a fund which is aiming to invest in 100 companies a year. And, you know, at least 25% of our portfolio companies come from tier two. I would say 30, 35 now. Uh, and, and, and some of them are tech companies, right? In fact, many of them are tech companies, right? And these are, these are folks who are, who are uh, coming from tier two, tier three colleges, uh, but have the talent, right? Uh, so, so, it's a very exciting proposition, right? And we are seeing uh, folks coming in from various sectors and various various cities. And I think this is a very, very positive sign. Do you see then more good developers joining the gig economy as well, if they are able to sustain themselves in whatever capacity with these side hustles, with these Microsoft solutions? Is it going to be harder for larger enterprises to hire developers over time, you think? Oh, yes. In fact, uh, just the other day, me and my wife were talking and she works for a very large enterprise. And, you know, how and they have a working system of you know you know three days working from uh, office and two days from home uh, post COVID right and you couldn't have imagined uh, working from home pre COVID right and right. Uh, and I said you know and you know, just the point uh, I made you know one point four billion eighty five percent of your population in this age group they are not going to be sticking for a nine to five job right they might be working for a corporate so the so the large enterprises will need to kind of figure out how to kind of get work done uh, in this gig economy format, right? Uh, So this will evolve where a lot of folks will want to work independently. They'll they'll want to work either in the form of consultant or whatever, but they'll they'll have to work on piecemeal projects and their importance or their, their, their importance to an ongoing project for a large enterprise will be as equal as a full-time employed uh, project manager. But unfortunately, eventually, the corporate will reach a point where they'll have to pivot themselves in terms of understanding how they can leverage this uh, employee base, which is not on their papers, which is not coming, we're not coming nine to five, nine to six, right? 
um, and this is going to happen for sure. This is going to happen, um, and, and I think the larger question is for the corporates uh, in terms of how they intend to kind of you know manage their workforce because uh, I think startups would be very flexible uh, in terms of you know managing a workforce. I think they are more nimble and more fluid and flexible uh, as opposed to you know uh, larger enterprises. All of this talk about uh, dev founders. Do you think there is any room for non-tech founders in the AI space? Given that it almost exclusively seems to be made for people with very high technical expertise, do you see any room at all for non-tech founders in the sector? No, absolutely, I do. Uh, but you know, as I as we say at Hundred X, also, you know, we uh, there are five uh, uh, evaluation criteria we look at. Hundred uh, X. Uh, we look at uh, the founding team, uh, the total addressable market, the um, business model, the moat IP, and you know our ability to you know add value. But uh, the first point remains the founding team, and we've seen you know combination of non-tech and tech uh, is a driving force, right? Uh, some of the tech founders sometimes, and I'm saying always, sometimes might not be the best folks to market, right? Um, right, and and hence. Uh, you know, I would not say that a great tech company will be built only by a tech person, uh, or for that matter, you know, uh, you know, no, a tech company can be built by a non-tech person. No, it, I think both are required to build it, right? Um, and you will see. And sometimes a tech founder can be a great marketer or a great salesman as well. Uh, but non-tech folks can can build can be part of an organization. Uh, but you know the product will speak for itself, right? And the product will need to be built by somebody else. Now, uh, you could always start as a non-tech founder, uh, identify a large opportunity, and maybe bring in a CTO who's full-time and maybe give him ESOPs and then build it out. That is also a possibility, right? As long as you, as a non-tech founder, have been able to identify uh, a business, an opportunity, and you know with the advent of so many developers also leverage that uh, but certainly there is an opportunity over there but when when we are looking at businesses we are looking at a combination combination of you know founding teams and hence you know complementary skill sets and therefore a non tech tech is a great combination for us the last question i had for you shashank is that you are at the verge of closing of 2023 could you share your take on the five most promising AI subsectors for investment in 2024. What are you eyeing? Um, what are the sectors that you are eyeing in 2024 for investment? So you know, I, and I briefly touched upon them when I yeah. uh, you know started. You know, so we are looking at you know any any business which is you know able to generate you know you know algorithms which is you know extreme use case in health tech. You know, like protein sequences in drug discovery. We've just recently looked at a company. Uh, that is quite exciting. It's a long-term view, right? Um, uh, we've already seen synthetic images of you know handwritten digits and you know clothing and furniture. And I've given you an example of furniture and and products in case of Meta uh, Shop, uh, which is you know developing product images. Those kind of businesses and those kind of trends will evolve, right? We've seen uh, we've invested in a company called Croup.ai, which is you know uh, started as a fake uh, deep fake company in terms of pulling out deep fakes, but Eventually, creating deep fakes for you know again, uh, you know you know you know marketing videos or you know for news channels so on and so forth, right? So, I think that space will see a surge, uh, making it more realistic. The research and development, I think, 
if you're able to visualize the long-term vision, I think research and development, healthcare, or you know, uh, industrial design, I think those are going to see uh, some interesting, interesting uh, solutions coming out of it. Music and video generation, I already you know covered. You know, just the other day, I was looking at a you know TikTok video, or sorry, not TikTok, you know, Instagram reel, and somebody said you know use this tool and you know they can mash up folks and then based on uh, you know snippets of somebody's original voice they can create a song right and that was just oh, amazing wow. right i don't know how authentic that is but you know i'm not i won't be surprised if you know we reach that stage where we're actually able to pull that out right so music and video generation definitely uh, will see a lot of change coming in image generation as you also highlighted has already seen text generation is something which we're already seeing but at the core of all this data generation right where previous folks plateaued because of lack of data i think the ability to generate data realistically and kind of uh, you know extrapolate from there i think will be a real game changer real real game changer which will kind of make many many businesses come out of their uh, slumber and you'll see a lot of innovation uh, from a business standpoint or rather i would say a business utility emerge and this is all going to happen under the segment ai or generative ai as you call it Lovely, lovely. And on that insightful note, guys, it's a wrap. Thank you so much for being on the show, Shashank. Really, really appreciated you taking time out for this one. Thanks for having me, Saikat. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. And thank you to the entire audience. Uh, and, uh, you know, if any founders watching this or hearing this, are uh, you know, happy to learn about your solutions, what you're building. Very, very approachable through our website. Uh, but thanks again, Saikat, for having us. Lovely, guys. Do tune in next week for the next episode of the Thrifty Titans podcast. See ya. Thank you for joining us on the Thrifty Titans podcast. I sincerely hope we were able to bring you one step closer to building and growing your venture. If you found our show useful, remember to follow, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share our episodes far and wide. It means the world to me and my team. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter at join.thriftytitans.co. We have all the links available in our show notes. Welcome again to the ranks of the Thrifty Titans tribe. We're really excited to have you on board.